let's play a game. Now. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing, man. Uh, for those of you tuning in, this is Is It Worth It? Um, the podcast where we just talk about whatever the fuck. Um, with me on the line is Cujo from the forums um, and Discord. Um, we attempted to, uh, initially we attempted to call through um, Discord, and I sounded like utter crap. 
to Cujo. He sounded amazing on my end. Uh, and we started talking about the RPG show and the tragedy of uh, Brent's death and all that kind of stuff. And we ended up talking like 20 some odd minutes uh, about all that and not about the topic in hand. And uh, so I've got that recorded. I'm going to tack it on the end of this. You may be wondering why James isn't here. Well, James uh, just went through a lot of stuff in his household. Uh, Every one of them got sick with the flu at different points. And um, James was basically on daddy duty a lot of the time when he himself wasn't sick. As a result, he didn't play much of The Witcher, which is the game that we're going to be talking about. Um... And he was like, you know, I really want to play this game. I'm loving it. But I played all of three hours. And I'm like, I played 120 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's... Uh... Can't, you can't really compare that. Yeah, it's like that's like the first, I don't know, three or four missions on The Witcher in the, for three hours. <laughs> yeah, that's literally nothing. You could just ride Roach around for three hours and... <clears throat> excuse me. And run into random battles and stuff and uh oh man <sighs> so yeah i sound i sound like i'll probably sound like ass now and then i'll sound really good for about 30 minutes at the end <laughs> yeah and i sound like ass now because i've been talking a while and i'm coming down off colds i didn't let my cold stop me from playing the witcher god damn it uh this is one of those type of games where if it grabs you you're just gone for a month uh i knew that <clears throat> going in and the entirety of the past month plus, because I started before we aired the last episode, um, I've just been, I get home off work and I play this till I fell asleep and then go back to work and get home and play this till I fell asleep. Uh, all my free time went to playing The Witcher. <clears throat> that said, I really like the game and it's worth it. So end of podcast. Cujo, thanks for coming. Oh, great time. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, I, play the, if you haven't played The Witcher yet, hit pause. Go play for about 100, 150 hours, depending if you're going to play DLC, maybe 200. Yeah. Then hit play. Then you're ready. It's that's, a long that's, it, The first couple hours might take a while to get used to controls. So I see, I know, I know some people like nope out about then. Like, no, I can't do the controls. It's stupid. But if you can get past that initial kind of barrier, like, because it's going to, it takes like all the buttons. You use all your buttons. Yeah. Sometimes you use more than one button at once. So it's a little bit more complicated than most games, but it once you get that uh, understanding down, so you're not throwing bombs when you don't mean to. Um, <laughs> that is definitely. Because I, I know, I you know, I know we've both done that. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Um, but then after that, you're you're fine. After a while, yeah, I still will occasionally, accidentally either drink a potion or eat some food when I didn't mean to. Or um, pull out my sword when I didn't mean to, you know, because everything's mapped to, like you said, single buttons and stuff. But it's real easy to accidentally hit something and then uh, cause problems. Because if you pull out your sword at the wrong time, uh, certain guards will attack you and stuff like that. <clears throat> which, you know, no big deal. Or if you accidentally loot in front of them, which is something that I did a lot, they'll attack you. But unlike Skyrim, they won't, like, chase you for, you know, three towns over. They... <laughs> They just chase you for a little while. If you run away, they totally forget it. Even if you like sit there and fight and kill them, which sometimes I would just do, I would just be like, you know what? Fuck these guys. And I would kill whatever guards. <clears throat> um, they don't stay mad and they respawn and you'll be fine. Yeah. You don't go to jail or anything like that. No. And, uh, 
yeah, I don't know where to start with it because this game is so huge. Uh, as I said uh, on the other recording that we had done is, you know, if you don't know what The Witcher is, uh, you've been living under a rock. It's pretty, pretty fucking huge. And uh, there's a show on Netflix that is excellent that covers uh, aspects of all three games. Um, basically, is this what is that? Is that what made you finally decide to play? That's what j- made James ask me to play. Oh, wow. Yeah, James had uh, watched the series with his wife. They both really liked it, and he said, Hey, do you have The Witcher? I said, Yeah, I've been thinking about playing it for a while, but you know, I knew that it would take 100-plus hours, and unless we did it for the show... Uh, we would, you know, I would have to play that month like something incredibly short, you know. So, yeah. Never, never even suggested it, and he was like, "I'd like to do it for the show." I said, "Yeah, great, let's do it," and just started almost immediately because I've kind of I've had the game for I don't know ever since I had the PlayStation Four. I bought it within a couple months. And, so five years, probably. Uh, no, I've only had a PS Four for maybe two and a half years, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, you remember my first game I bought was some weird game I still haven't played too. But yeah, um, I, I came to the party a little late because I came to the PS3 late, and I still haven't caught up on the PS3 or the PS2 or the PS1. Or oh man, I'm still trying to catch up on that. I just found out there's a Game of Thrones RPG mm-hmm. yeah. on PS3 that came out like the first year. Yeah. I kind of like I kind of remembered it, and I was like. I'm gonna wait till I watch the show first, and then I never, I never I forgot all about it. And then I was looking at, you know, RPGs I haven't played, and I was like, holy shit, I forgot all I forgot about, about that. It. I do that a lot. I mean, there's a lot of RPGs I haven't played. What was it? Like two months ago, I popped in Codalica. Was like, oh, I'll play this for an hour, try and refresh my memory, and I ended up playing it for like three days. I was like, fuck it, I'll just throw it on the show. Um, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. But this isn't a game that you can just play for three days and and get toward the end. It's it is once annoying. it gets to. Yeah, once it gets its hooks in you, it's one of those ones you're playing to like, oh shit, it's daytime? Fuck. Yeah. And the story, <laughs> the thing about it is, it plays a lot like, for those of you that don't have any reference as to what The Witcher plays like, it does play kind of like Skyrim, in that, you know, you're you're a single player, you run around, you do quests for various people and stuff. But unlike Skyrim, uh, The Witcher rewards you greatly often for for that exploration. You know, you find a cave in Skyrim, and there might be some goblins in it or whatever, you find a cave in the witcher it has a whole quest line behind that cave you know there's going to be some monster in there that links to this quest that does you know everything is is linked and intertwined in some way i love love that because like you'll you'll wander into like a a town and there's like a dead body and then you use your witcher senses and you you trace the back to the killer and you solve a murder and it's like holy shit that wasn't even like there wasn't a quest board. It wasn't like a main quest. It wasn't a side quest. It was just like in the middle of nowhere. And then you find like, if, it was like I found some other witcher from another school that was like trying to survive or some shit. And they, then the town was trying to cheat him out of his money and he ended up having to kill him to save his life. I was like, holy shit, this is like crazy. Like this is like a just a random story in the middle of the game. And that's, that's the quality. Like this is like the most quality, probably one of the highest quality games I've ever played. Like, oh, easy. The, the detail and the story there's so much in here yeah and it's on top of that uh every aspect of even the most minute characters are all voice and acted so well you know they feel real everybody you know there's no point in this game where you're like okay this is cheesy i mean there is but not like in the sense like a resident evil voice acting or or even like uh, someone that's just not a good actor you know someone that yeah is like okay, they got the B squad to voice this guy. It'll be random villager number three, and they'll sound great. Well, I, I read 
I read that uh, it took two and a half years to do the recording for this game, and this game wow. took like took four and a half years or something like that to to like fully make. So I mean, it, it you can tell like it has a lot of attention to detail. A lot of stuff goes into it. I mean, I know there's probably some bugs that when it first came out, I can't even remember at this point because yeah. it's five years ago now, but. If you go and play it now, you can get the the game of the year edition or whatever it is for twenty bucks. All the DLC already in it, and I mean that's probably one of the best deals you'll ever have. Like it's so, there's so much in there. Yeah, because you're talking about with two hundred plus hours, you're pennies for an hour worth of entertainment. It's unreal. Uh, can't and we'll get into it, but yeah, just right off the bat, I can't stress enough how good The Witcher 3 is, how value it is, because it's not an expensive game, and it's it really is, you know, uh, you know, to quote Sighton, he's always, oh, it's a top five for me for this genre or whatever. This is just a top five game period for me. You know, this yeah, is... You know, top five for me. Yeah. And I think it's the number one PS4 game for me. Like, I, I don't think there's a better PS4 game. And I know you haven't played a lot of them, but Probably I can't ten or fifteen at this point. But yeah, I, it's easily the best one I've played. But uh, I mean, and you don't have to play the other, the first two. Um, it does help, um, and it does help to maybe play the game before you watch the show, since the way they did the show. But uh, it it it's just so much. It's so good the story. <laughs> In that, like, if you don't play the first two, you have to kind of infer what's going on with certain characters. Um, <laughs> you know, but you don't care so much about Triss, like, you know, because in the, in the whole second game, like, Triss is, like, your love interest because the Witcher, he, like, loses his memory and doesn't remember um, Yennefer or anything like that mm-hmm. until halfway through the game. And then you remember who Yennefer is and you're trying to find Yennefer and you don't even, like, see Yennefer until, like, the very end of Witcher 2. So, like, in Witcher 3, you're, if you play the second one, you're kind of like, oh, they're finally Yennefer. But for for game, people that never played that, like oh, uh, this is Jennifer. You know what I mean? Like, right. It's a whole it's a whole different perspective. Yeah, and you can either go with Tris or Jennifer, depending on your cha- tastes. You can attempt to seduce both, but then you'll ruin your chances with either. And there are little things in this game with that as well. Where like when Jennifer comes to Kaer Moran or Marin or whatever, um, she pushes the bed out the window because you had sex with Triss on it and the Witcher 2. And if you go find the bed out in the field, there'll be an earring on it that, uh, that was Triss's, uh, that you can actually take and bring back to her for some minor something like a dialogue, I think is all it is. But there, that's the thing is like every little thing with tiny details. Well, I think in the opening movie, like the, the crow that turns into crystal or something, you can pick that up and, Bring it to, to to Yennefer for some dialogue. Right, and that's all it is, but you can do it. And I think it's some experience for it, but, I mean, yeah. And there's just tons of stuff that you can do in that nature that don't affect the gameplay really uh, at all, you know, but it's more story, and it, they connect it through physical items and such in the game. And there are just... What I was going to say also is what also this game does very well are like your your uh, your choices do matter. They do affect the game. Um, it's not like Mass Effect where everything is like a different shade of color as your ending, you know? Yeah. It's like you get this ending or you get this ending or you get this ending. There's three distinct. And like this person can live or this person can die. And if they do, they wrote it into the game where they've they mention it or yeah. it's part of it's part of the story. It's not like a, this. It's not like a gap there. You know, sometimes like if someone dies in the 
in a story. It's like you can tell something was now because that person's dead. Mm-hmm. But this one, but in this game, it's like it worked. It's part of the story. It's part of the the dialogue or whatever. You know, right? It's not like you don't feel like something's missing. Yeah, because like my ending, uh, I kind of hastily went to it, and there was a few things I hadn't done that you know I can go back and do. Like I didn't kill Radovid, and so at the end, Radovid was still alive, and they worked that into your ending. And depending on you know who you seduce, they work that in your ending. So there isn't like one definitive ending you can get. There's three different endings, um, but in addition to that ending, you get all these little other things that they'll tell you, like whether or not you. Uh, like I ended up with Yennefer and we uh, spent the rest of our days uh, quietly living in some like little shipburg and uh, sleeping until noon and stuff like that. You know, real, real cool. And uh, you could do that or you can end up with Triss or with no one and continue to be a witcher. Um, but yeah, the the story, like I'd, I'd really like to get into it, but it would. T- I think you could spend two hours just talking about the main story of this game, and then you've got all these side stories that intertwine within the main story that are so good that are all they all warrant discussion in of themselves. Um, <coughs> I don't know where to start. Like I said, the game is so huge, so massive. Um, <coughs> a lot of people say uh, that the battle in the game, uh, the fighting, isn't good. Uh, I'll I'll say it's not as good as some games, like it's not a Dark yeah. Souls or whatever. But it, it's fine. Um, <clears throat> it's pretty standard. You've got uh, two dodges, um, a block button. Uh, you've got like a heavy attack and a light attack. And then you've got a series of uh, basically spells that you start out with that through a skill tree you can make stronger. Um, these are more like cantrips. They're not like full spells like a sorceress within the game would be able to cast. But they're things that uh, you know if you or I were able to do, uh, we would definitely be burned at the stake. Um, shooting fire from your hands, creating a temporary shield around you, a zone where when things enter, they uh, go much slower. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. I'm just not getting over this cold. Um, Stuff like that. I can't remember all of them. I I mostly used Igni. uh, Igni and uh, Ard, which was like uh, making like things blow up or push down. And then Igni is fire, you know, like Ignite or whatever. Uh, those were the two like th- that I used the most. Sometimes I'd use Quinn to uh, for bigger battles, and sometimes I'd use the one that slowed things down. Yeah, Quinn's the uh, basically like a, a shield, like a, I don't know how to like a force field kind of thing. Yeah, for like one or two hits. And if you get really good at dodging, you don't really need uh, it, uh, that and blocking. Like if you're fighting a humanoid... Uh, blocking tends to be better if you're fighting a monster. Dodging tends to be better is the basic. Well, story. yeah, there's blocking and there's parrying, so it's like timing. <laughs> right, so exactly. If you time it right, you parry and you kind of get a hit in and then you stand, like, stagger them and then you can really lay into them. Yeah. Whereas blocking, it'll just, like, kind of push you back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> now you got me doing it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And the Witcher has... um. You know, Geralt, the main character, has two swords. All witchers carry two. One for monsters that's made of silver. And then your steel sword for everything else. And you also have a crossbow and some other secondary weapons that you can use uh, throughout the game. Uh, Bombs, which you can use that have different effects. And the witcher can also uh, create just endless amounts of uh, potions and alchemy type stuff that you can use for varying effects. uh, And oils that you can coat your sword in to temporarily give them boosts against different things. And you have to learn all these things, find uh, recipes for them, and find all the alchemy ingredients. And there is just 
pages of alchemy ingredients. I mean, if you want to go in depth on a system, uh, I don't know how many different ingredients there are, but I want to say it's got to be hundreds. Yeah. But the good thing is once you make the potion the first time, you don't have to do it ever again. It's kind of saved. So yeah. that's that's a nice thing. Like you have to find it the first time. And then after that, it's all in your inventory and you don't have to make them every time. It's just there. Yeah. And then every time you meditate, you get, you get it refreshed. You get refreshed basically. Yeah. It refreshes your potion, but it takes away one of your strong liquors, which you can find again, there's probably 30 to a hundred somewhere in between there, different liquors. And usually it takes away alchemist or dwarven spirit, which are the two that you'll find literally everywhere. It actually gets to be kind of funny because you'll, you'll be like in the sewer and there'll be a crate and it's got some liquor in it. And then, you know, next to it's another crate with some liquor in it. And you're like, okay, sure. Um, but you'll never, you'll never run out of, uh, if you can meditate, you'll never, you'll never die. So. No, yeah. If you if you can meditate, which it won't let you do in certain situations, you know, um, but if a monster's about or whatever, but you can usually find some place, run off and find some place to meditate. And yeah, that helps a whole lot. Um, like I said, the, the battle itself is engaging enough. I like it. Um, there's also a card game uh, in the game, which I, I was going to maybe like make an episode just for the card game. I did spend a good 20 to 30 hours getting every card in this game. Um, <coughs> wait, wait to wait to the DLC because yeah, there's, there's a whole nother, there's, yeah. there's another deck. There's a, there's a Skidalagi deck that you can do, so that's fun. Yeah, because I went I went around and did uh, all I got all those cards, and then there's a tournament you enter. <laughs> so, oh, is there another tournament? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, you get your own you get your own house. Yeah, it's so awesome. I like I I wish this was part of the, like the main game. Like they. It's like this is like the perfect DLC. Like you get your own house, so you can put up. Well, you make your own armor and stuff. Yeah. There's three. Well, first you you find there's three witch armors. Well, it goes up to five by the time you get to the DLC. There's a viper and there's some other manticore armor you can get that uh, just for for the DLC. But there's like um, armor stands, so you can put that armor up on display. Um, but I mean, just like the armor system, like. You have to find each. You have to find like the scroll for each piece of armor to build that armor, and then you got to find the, the pieces from that arm to build that arm. And then there's so much that goes into it. Yeah. It's, it's so in depth. I love it. And, and you to make that higher grade armor, you have to find someone that's able to build it. And there's like two. Yeah. yeah. There's like what two people in the whole game that can do it. You have to like do quests to be able to unlock the uh, the person that can do the armor and the person that can do the swords for you. Yeah. Um, Unreal. And and those quests, quests are really, really good. You know, one is kind of like a knight's tale where it actually ends up being a woman that's doing all the, she's an armorer and she's a master class armorer and you have to find the, these tools and she's uh, kind of got a front going on where she's got a dwarf that works with her that actually makes really crappy armor. But everyone <laughs> thinks he's the one that's making the great armor because no one will believe that a woman would be able to do it. Yep. and yeah and she finally is like you know what fuck this they get a client come in and he wants armor that can block a bolt at so many paces or whatever and uh she builds you some armor and builds uh and the dwarf builds some armor for another guy and you each wear it as this guy shoots at you with crossbow bolts and her armor blocks it and yeah it's just you know it's just a minor quest but it's done really well it's really cool and there are just countless quests like that where you get really invested in a single character or whatever <clears throat> and it's just it's so cool i don't <laughs> i don't know like there's so many minor characters that feel like r- real people to me they're flushed so even 
and even like I love uh, I love the 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 Witcher like mythos like you know you have your friends that you don't see for like fifty years or whatever and then they have, like start telling each other like they talk about the stories that you know they were in together and you're like man that'd be a good uh, yeah. good mission to, you know what I mean like even like the stories they tell that you don't even get to do missions on like will be would be good you know is good so. I, I don't, I don't know how much more I can jack this game off, but yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that's another good good thing to mention is you know that at that point where you meet up with your old Witcher pals and you get drunk and you do the whole thing where you're going to try and get some women over by teleporting them through Unifer's contraption. You think, oh, they'll you know you're drunk. Oh, they'll run away if they see uh, three ugly Witchers. We have to. Uh, pretend to be sorceresses so you all dress up in Unifer's clothes and uh, it is one of the best depictions of uh, drunken anybody that is in any media usually you see someone faking to be drunk in a movie or whatever and it's like okay this is really piss poor you know yeah but they did an excellent job like the way these guys act and stuff and their mode of thinking because that is totally something you would think. You're horny. You're, uh, you know, you're drunk as hell, and you think, oh, we need to get some women over here. How can we do it? And you're just, oh, it's just dumb, you know. And uh, it's just done really well. And that's the thing is, every quest to the just the smallest uh, thing is done really, really well. And and, and it rewards you story wise too, because like if you don't do like some side quests with one of your Witcher pals, um, or like one of the, Hello? if you don't. And if you don't save her, like your your buddy gets killed in one of the battles. But if you do save her in a separate side mission, then she comes and helps at the end of the game and saves him. Yeah, so. uh, there is a way to save him, uh, even if you did kill her or let her go to Radovid, but it's convoluted. But yeah, I feel like the story beats better. Like oh, then they yeah. fall in love. You know, they, then they fall in love, and then he's like. You know, he found his witch. You know, it's I don't know. I thought it was cool. Yeah, no, it definitely is, and you can totally bone down with her too. Um, and I did, and it has no effect on the story. <laughs> I was like, yeah, fuck it, all. You know, whatever. She's all well, Jennifer. Well, yeah, you can do that until you commit to Jennifer. Like she's cool. Like she, she's she's uh, understanding about uh, Geralt until like you know that point in the story where it's like it's me or nothing. You know, it's me or not. Yeah, she makes. He, he, she draws like a line in the sand, and then you can't do that anymore. He'll he won't do anything. So yeah, um, except for in the DLC, there's one you can do, or you can still. I guess you can still go to the whorehouses, but yeah, I guess. I mean, why would you want to? Yeah, yeah. you get like the, I did a couple just to do it, and you get the same cutscene. I think for each woman, it's just a different cut and paste of whatever face it is on on the girls. I think there's one there's one whorehouse you have to go to just to get all the cards. Like they all have a card or something. I don't remember. I remember something like that. Maybe I don't remember that. I did get all the cards, at least all the initial ones. Um, and you know, and, and like I said, it, I, I started to talk about Gwent, and then I got sidetracked. I thought about doing just a whole like solo thing where I would explain Gwent because I was pretty sure James wouldn't play it as much as I did because um, I ended up doing everything I could with Gwent and uh, really enjoyed it quite a bit um, we could uh, we could do like a separate Gwent talk after we're done with all this if you want yeah whenever I mean you know throw it in wherever I'm I don't know what else I want to say about the main game other than it's fucking brilliant I had some issues uh, you, you said bugs earlier I had a few bugs uh, mostly regarding Roach uh, Roach, oh yeah, you can sometimes like, will spawn on top of a roof or something like that. Yeah, I would have him like uh, once I had him upside down, 
once I had him uh, humping a tree, once a barn where he was just legs in the air, looked like he was trying to go at it with a tree in a barn. I actually recorded the former and posted it in the Discord somewhere. Um, I had uh, one time I was in Skellige, and I had a guy that was supposed to be sitting on the ground. He was floating like a good 10 feet in the air, and <laughs> I could jump to target him and talk to him that way. Uh, and we, of course, when I left and came back, he was back on the ground, but it was like, okay, what are you doing up there, buddy? You know, he's just literally floating. Uh, so there yeah, are some minor bugs. They're, they're <laughs> minor, but they're not, they're not Skyrim level bugs where it's like really annoying. It's just every once in a while it'll be something like it'll have like a, a skip in the, in the game or something. What it feels like. Yeah. It's not, it's not big. Like, as you said, as in Skyrim or say, um, fallout three was really notorious for that. Uh, both games that I I love both those games and but um, they lack in in a lot uh, especially compared to this game this an absolute masterpiece unfortunately uh, Studio Red or whatever uh, Project Studio Red uh, are well known for doing the crunch and dump um, where they'll make people work uh, just incredibly long hours um, to get a game out and make it perfect and then uh, literally fire everyone right after the project and hire all new people. And, uh, they're not a great studio in that regard, and it almost makes me want to uh, not buy Cyberpunk, but that game looks like it's so much my jam. Uh, mm. I'm just, I have to get it. Well, if you pl- after playing you know, their games, you, like, I literally bought uh, Xbox for Witcher 2. Like yeah. that's how that's how much I love these games. Like the story, like I'm a big story guy, so yeah. the story is so, like this is to me is like this is the best monster story game. Ever. Like you know where they have vampires and werewolves and yeah. you know yeah. any kind of mythical creature. Like I've I don't think it's ever been better better done than this. Right, and like, they, they... the way the rules work and the way everything is. And, I, you know, they made their own thing with The Witcher. Like, there aren't, I don't remember any stories about Witchers before this. You know what I mean? So they added their own thing into the mythos, and I think that was fantastic. And I don't know. I just don't think uh, it, it's hard to top this for me. No doubt. I, I think it was a series of books before it was games, was it not? Or Yeah, it's a Polish writer. And they signed him, They signed on for, for more years. So I know there's going to be another Witcher game coming. Well, they, as of yet, uh, they, the most recent statement on it was they don't have another Witcher game planned as of yet. So as of yet, nothing in the works, but they are not saying it's not going to ever happen. My thought on it is it'll probably be play as Siri, um, Geralt's pretty much done after this game. There's no real way to bring him back. He more or less retires or other, depending on your ending, um, well, even if, even if he retires, there's something that can take you out of retirement, you know? I suppose. But um, I, I don't think they'll... I mean, they might just because of money, but I don't think they should touch, I think, historians pretty beautifully at this. Maybe go after one of the other Witchers. Um, I don't know which one. I, I, I'd like to see uh, either Lambert or... I can't think of the other guy's name. The guy that just has the jacked-up face. Frankenstein, what to call him. But, um... He's he's actually my favorite Witcher that I that I met in the game. I missed out on uh, Lumbold or whatever his name is, the really big big Witcher. Um, oh, uh, I know you're talking about. He's the, he was the main villain in the, the 
the second game. Yeah, well, evidently, whatever it was that I said at the beginning of this game, because when you play it on the PS4, at least, you can't link it to anything else because it was never yeah. on. Yeah. So you didn't know what you're doing, but Letho, it's Letho. Letho. He, uh, there's a guy that asks you a series of questions that kind of tells you the story that came before, and I just answered it what I thought sounded the coolest. And evidently I killed off Letho because he's just not in my game at all. So he had a few quests that you could do with him, and I believe he would also join you at the Battle of Kermorin at the end, yes, he the end of the game. Uh, yes, he would. So I missed out on him, and I missed out on um, Siggy. Uh, because I didn't get back the gold for him in the way that he wanted. Um, there's there's this huge battle at the end of the game, which is really, really cool. We kind of touched on it before where we were talking about Lambert. Can die if you don't save uh, Uppity Witch at the beginning of the game. Um, but th- like I said, there is another way you can save him, but it's tough to do, uh, I heard. Um, anyway, uh, you, you... Eskel, that's what you're talking about, Eskel. Yeah. That's one of the big scars. <laughs> right, he's awesome. I love that guy. But you, uh, you're trying to save Siri, uh, who is like your adopted daughter. She's of the old blood, and she's got these powers that can stop uh, the oncoming uh, ever never-ending winter, basically. Um, and there, there's this group called the Wild Hunt that's kind of coming after her and chasing her all over the world. And you're kind of on her heels looking for her. And when you finally find her, you can go to Cameron, which is like this castle where witchers were trained and where you trained Siri in her youth and it's basically falling apart and the witcher as an order because no one has been made a witcher in like what a few decades I think um, is, is dying there's almost no one there there's this one old guy he's your mentor um, starts with a V and I can't remember right now um, I think it's Veridin something like that uh, 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 hold on <laughs> here Vesemir, thank you. Um, he's kind of holding down the fort, and he's kind of almost the Mr. Miyagi of the story. He's trained all these young witchers who are not young themselves. Geralt is like over 100 years old. Um, I think Lambert is the youngest, and he's like, what, 70 or 80 years old, something like that. You're all old. All the witchers are old because they haven't made any in a while. And, and witchers have to go through this huge convoluted process where they give you all these potions that should kill you. And then they uh, add mutations while your body's weak, to, and you can either die from it or live. And if you live, you're, you end up uh, gaining these like powers and, and strength and live a lot longer. Do you lose your, uh, you lose your, you can't have any kids after that. Yeah, you become sterile. Um, but you become stronger, you heal better, you can use potions that would kill normal people. Um, you gain witcher senses where you can hear better, see better, smell better, and you use these much as, like you would in like a Batman Arkham or whatever, the detective mode, where you hit yeah. a button and you can like see things that you normally wouldn't see. And pro tip, if you're going to play this game, turn off the fucking fisheye lens that goes along with that. It's just a thing that you can turn off. It looks horrible. I hate it. Every time I hit that, it made me nauseous. You can turn it off and it it turns off that whole fisheye look and just shows you the areas in red or gold infinitely. Um, yeah, and you you can gain powers and stuff. But anyway, you go to Caramoran uh, at the end of the game because, or toward the end of the game because uh, you decide to make one last stand, and it's probably the coolest part in the game to me. It was like it felt oh, so awesome. There's nothing. I mean, of all the cool things in the game, like getting the gang together and everyone kind of like. It's like a battle going on. You're like running around with Geralt, and they're all doing their thing and fighting people off. It's so cool. It is really cool because before you start the battle, 
you have to go and gather up all the allies you possibly can. And it feels like you're really doing something. You know, you get um, all these people to come join you. Uh, if you've done various things throughout the quests throughout the game, you can get a bunch of people to come join you and they all have different roles and are all fighting alongside you and stuff. Or you could just try and enter the battle with just the few that'll be there. And um, truth be told, uh, you can win either way and it doesn't affect the game in any way, but it feels like it affects the game. Like the only major thing that can happen is Lambert can die. Um, and there's a couple ways that you can save him. The easiest of which is... Uh, getting that witch at the beginning of the game, the sorceress, to uh, not go to Radovid. Um, there's a dialogue options that you can do. The first time I fought or I talked to her, I ended up fighting her um, because I just chose the dialogue options that seemed uh, the most suited to me. And we ended up fighting and I killed her and I kind of sat there for a minute. I was like, I can't let it in like this. She felt like she would be... Something. Something. So I, I went back and uh, did a different tree and ended up convincing her to go to Karamaran because she's kind of like a stuck up bitch that's kind of hiding out from everybody because uh, people are after her and she's trying to get back in good with Radovid who's the king of this one nation and he's a real dick think Hitler um <laughs> ba I mean basically right he's trying to kill off all the uh, minor species all the elves the sorcerers the dwarves like he hates everybody yeah. But that was that was like the the main plot of the second game. It's like the elves and all the minor species versus the humans, and he was like the main bad guy. Yeah, and he's but, he's a real douche. You know, he he's got to go. Like I said, I didn't get around to killing him. I will. I plan on playing this game more, and I'm going to kill Radovid and do all the DLC. The only reason I didn't was because uh, we're already over, and I was like, man, that's another 30 to 50 hours just on the DLC. I did do some of it, but uh, just, you know, accidentally more than anything where I'd, like, accidentally do a quest, and then it'd go towards, you know, it was like, hey, you're 15% into blood and wine. I was like, oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, you go to this big battle, and it is awesome because you get, like, uh, the one druid guy, and you get that sorceress chick, and all the witchers that are left in your school, including Vesemir, and Siri comes, and, oh, you have this just huge battle, and you're running around as Geralt, they're like, hey, we need to reinforce this, or whatever, and you're running, trying to do stuff, and all these battles are ensuing all around you, and it's just, it's epic, it's fucking awesome, and it took so long to get to that point and stuff, when you finally get there, it just feels, it's like Helm's Deep, but you're living it you know yeah it's like a great payoff well it's not like work but like everything you put into it, it's like a it's like a satisfying payoff yeah. and like a lot of times you put a lot of this this time these time like a lot of your time in these games and uh there's not as much there's not a good satisfying ending it's just kind of end sometimes but this is like i don't know i can't i don't think there's a more perfect well, i don't know perfect but well-rounded game out there than this like yeah. Everything fits together. It has it hits all the right beats. You know, um, it's the satisfying end, like endings, depending on how you play. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I don't know. I think I've got at least one more playthrough, at least one more, because I want to play again and romance Triss instead of Unifer, even though Unifer makes way more sense. Um, I'd it makes sense to you because you didn't play two though. Well, yeah, but I mean, it makes more sense from the standpoint, if you look at it as a whole, he fell in love with Yennefer, lost his memory, fell in love with Triss, regained his memory, realized that Yennefer is his one true love. Um, but you can play it the other way, too. You can be like, once you do uh, Last Wish, which is a 
quest that is uh, touched on in the show on Netflix as well. Uh, I guess in the first game, to save Yennefer, he wishes a djinn to uh, keep them closely bound forever. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and uh, that's, that's going to be spoilers for the TV show, but uh, yeah. that's what yeah. he, that's what he asked for when he asked for his wish, his yeah. last wish. Just FYI, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if you're like, I wonder what Geralt said. I wonder what he wished for. Yeah, he wished so that he and him and Yennefer always be tied together. Right, and. She, uh, you know, you end up being uh, together off and on for decades, and she wonders whether or not uh, it's 100% due to the wish or whether there are real feelings there. So you can do a quest in Witcher 3 where you uh, trap another djinn because the only thing that can break uh, one djinn's magic is another's, and you can trap another djinn and ask it to dispel the bond between you two, and you can either play it when she asks you if you still feel something. She very much before she asks you, indicates that she still feels the same way and you can just break her heart if you want to be a complete douche and say, you know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't feel anything. Yeah, I was really, I was like big, I was big in uh, Triss and then, because like, you don't really see Jennifer until this game. Mm-hmm. But then, like you said, it makes more sense. Like once you get into the details of everything, yeah. like Jennifer makes sense. And Triss is so. a badass and she is, both, both women are gorgeous and uh, acted beautifully. And you can't go wrong either way, you know, and truth be told, I, I prefer redheads to, uh, you know, raven haired women most of the time. Um, my wife being frequently a redhead. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just made more sense to me to do Yenna for the first time, but I think I have another playthrough where I would choose, uh, Triss just to see how that goes. And, um, I kind of want to see, I mean, it's a dick move, but I kind of want to see, and maybe I could just YouTube it. Yennefer's reaction to saying, I feel nothing for you now. You know, that's, yeah, yeah, I would just YouTube that. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Yeah. I I could, if you're a complete dick in real life, you probably could do that. But I mean, I know, I know it's just a game, but still it's like, I don't know. Yeah, it. You start feeling like you start to feel like like you said like you start making you start to feel like these are real people, mm-hmm. and and like the immersion is real. Like that that's another thing. Like you get really immersed in this game. So they they feel. I mean, it's been a long time. Like there are other games I could cite, like The Last of Us or um, Life is Strange is pretty good at doing this type of thing. Uh, Lunar was the last time I remember really getting invested in uh, characters in an RPG. To the point where I thought I knew them, you know, it's like you really get to feel for these people. They get they're so fleshed out and well done. Yeah, and you can't say that's that how I felt about that's how I felt about Trails in the Sky. Mm. I still need to get to that, but because I bought James' copy of um, uh, Cold Steel or Sky. Oh, Cold Steel, yeah. I like Cold Steel, but I, I just can't get behind the characters as much. I like I like the Sky one, but you know the Estelle and Joshua characters in that game. Like there, there's like no six idea. games. That, well, I'm just saying there's like six games of those of those guys. So by the time you're like in game three, it's like, I don't know, 300, 400 hours with them. So, oh, I mean, <laughs> well, that kind of time, bro. Oh, I know. I'm just saying like that. That's another game that I can. It's not as uh, realistic as this. You mean, because these are like realistic looking people. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's just uh, you're, what you're saying. Like, yeah, this the, the immersion and the characters. uh it's it, it's hard to cite a game that does it as well. Like I think Mass Effect did it pretty good, yeah. but but then like I said, like the third game kind of just Shit the bottom drop. 
Yeah, the, just the bottom dropped out because, like, your 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 choices kind of mattered, but at the very end of the game, they, they didn't. They yeah. just it was the end, you know. Yeah, they very much matter in this. I mean, you can uh, make people permanently mad at you, permanently dead, you know, and it very much changes the story depending on what you do and how you do things. So, uh, yeah, really cool. I I can't cite enough how just awesome this game is. And you know, there's all these. Uh, we didn't really mention, uh, but there's all these other quests you can do as a witcher. You're the, you're basically your job is to kill monsters and uh, solve people's well, problems. No, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that. I would say as a witcher, your job is to figure out what the problem is and yeah, take and solve it. Because sometimes it's the humans that are the bad people, and the monster is the one that's getting abused. And I like that. I like that like spin on things. It's like oh, for sure. It makes you think it's like, well, maybe it's the humans causing the monsters to come because um, some of the monsters are sentient and they're nice. you, you get, yeah, or they're not nice, but they're well, sometimes they are like rock trolls, like the majority of them. They're stupid, yeah. but they're nice. Yeah. And they don't know what they're doing. They're like, they're like three year olds. They have three year old brains, basically. Yeah. So you got to kind of reason with them like a three year old. But if you do, then you got a good ally. You can get like, I think you can get a, uh, there's a mission where you have a rock gloom as an ally or something like that. And they fight for you. Yeah. So, but uh, I like that there's like both sides to it. You know, there's no good or bad. It's like all great. Like, this is the biggest gray area game you're you're all ever yeah. you're you, all you, play. You know, play it either way. You can play it in that like monsters are bad, kill them all, or you can. And I tended to play it more that uh, monsters are misunderstood, and you know, but they're they're it's case by case. You're right, and you can play yeah. it however you want. <clears throat> but there are these boards as you go into towns. Uh, think uh, Fantasy Star Four, where uh, They'll say, hey, we've got this job for you, and you can find jobs that way, or you can just run into them organically, um, just all over the place. And when you look at the map and you see all the different markers of things you can do, question marks and stuff, that it's all over the motherfucker, it feels really daunting. There, It feels like there's you know hundreds and hundreds. Yeah, you think you're like in the only map of the game, and then you're like, oh, Skeleggy Island? Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did... Everything in White Orchard, which was easy, and then I did everything on whatever the secondary map is, uh, Vellum and stuff. And then you go past that river, then you get into the town, and the town's huge, and then like past the town, there's more stuff. You're like, oh my god. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're just like, Jesus, this game is so big. And it is. It is really fleshed out and huge, and it, it can be a little daunting, but once you start getting into it, you really kind of wish there was even more, which is crazy. And yeah, I guess what the DLC is because I I didn't get bored of the game. I was just like, I need to quit playing. I need to beat it. So I I went through the main story. I made sure that I wasn't gonna hurt any secondary quests. I did all the secondary quests that I wouldn't miss um, by beating the main storyline. Because if you just like rush through the main storyline, there are some quests you won't be able to do. Um, but I did all those and then beat it. And I just can't recommend the game enough. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to spoil anything at the end of the game. I don't want to spoil anything regarding Siri. Um, gosh, just huh. I, I I could literally do three episodes on this, you know, and just talk about the various quests that I like. Uh, I could do a cool hour on Gwent if I absolutely had to. But we're already at like 50 minutes. I do, I do want to touch Gwent a little bit, uh, touch on that, and then uh, we'll probably just wrap this one up. Um, obviously, the game is worth it, so we won't even go over that whole spiel. Um, but Gwent is a card game <laughs> that you can play with uh, random people throughout the land. You can just challenge them. They always say yes. Uh, this typically is merchants. 
<clears throat> and innkeepers and such. And then like uh, most of the notorious characters throughout the game, you know, uh, the people that are main storyline guys, most of them play Gwent as well. It's a really simple game, uh, but it's really fun. Uh, you start off, both of you draw 10 cards, and you're able to take turns. One of you goes first, and you take turns just laying a card down. And you, these cards have uh, three different sections that you can lay them in. It's either uh, ranged attack, uh, siege battle, which is in the back, and uh, melee, which is in the front. And it doesn't really matter which order they're in. I just, you know, saying. But... Um, and then they're able to do so as well. And different cards have different powers, I guess you would call it, different numbers. The higher the number, uh, whenever you end the round, you can choose the round. Both players can choose to end their round at any time. Or if you run out of cards, it automatically ends the round. Uh, whoever has the higher number at the end that is on board wins. There are a series of cards you can use to destroy the other one's cards, some of which will destroy in certain rows, um, some of which will destroy just a card outright, or uh, some, the best ones, uh, will let you put it on their, like you can put a monster into play on their side and draw extra cards. Those are by far the most broken cards in Gwent. Um, you can also use uh, leader abilities, which can do everything from uh, give you the ability to like give one whole row plus one plus one to all your characters in that row, or not one one. I'm thinking in magic terms, but one power, or double their power. Or yeah, all, it doubles it. All all kinds of stuff of this nature. There's also the uh, battle cry, which is a like or battle horn, which is something you can use to double the power of all the creatures in a certain row. So it really boons you to build your deck in a way where you have. Uh, Things that synergize together. There are some creatures that synergize together in that they'll uh, boost each other if they're both in play. There are creatures in the monsters deck that, because uh, there's four different decks initially, that will summon other monsters into play, etc. I mean, it's <coughs> it really boils. And there's, there's also there's also hero cards that can't be hurt or affected. And like, there's a Geralt card, and he's the strong Geralt and Siri are both 15s, you know, so they add 15 to your total. Um, and you can't hurt them, nothing affects them. So basically, by the end of it, like, half your deck's hero cards, and the rest are, like, which, whatever your strategy is. Um, mine was more of the, uh, um, I think they were what they call assassin cards or something like that, where you, where they, you put them on, like, they, you play them, and they uh, go, they're, they're spy cards. Yeah, That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. Me too. I and use the, I use those predominantly because <clears throat> you can put them over to their side and then you get to draw two cards. So basically, yeah. basically the the game is like whoever has the most points wins. Well, if you have more cards, obviously you have more chance to have more points. So it really boils that, down to that. Yeah, <laughs> that that's that's the strategy. But I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. But that's the the basics of it. Um, but it's very well done um, and simple, but not. It's fun. It's not too simple, but it's not too like difficult either. It's easy. Um, like you said, I, I, I predominantly use spies, and then I used a lot of cards like uh, Yennefer would, would bring things back from the battlefield, and then you can get a combat medic in the northern deck too that would uh, bring something back from your graveyard effectively, things that had either died or you used in the last game because it is best two out of three. Um to bring it back into the battlefield, it's a really good play, but one of the things that uh, you don't realize when it comes to, like, say, Geralt or Ciri, yes, they're 15s, but 
you can't bring them back from the graveyard. You can't bounce them with decoy, um, which is a strategy you can use with other cards. If, if a card can be affected, it means you can do things like the battle cry will double their power. So I can have a, say, a 10, like there's Elven Rangers that are at 10, and then you can double their power to make them 20s. Right, mm-hmm. you can't do you can't use that battle horn on Geralt to make him a thirty. He is always a fifteen. When you put him into play, he is in play. There is nothing they can do that will affect him. None of the weather effects will affect him. You know he's a uh, melee uh, row, and if you use whatever it is uh, the ice spell or whatever to make all the melees go down to one power, he remains at fifteen. But if mm-hmm. you use battle horn on that same row, he's not going to go to thirty. So there is. Good and bad with them. Like in general, I lean towards the hero cards are good. They are better than normal because they tend to have like really high power and the opponent is unable to affect them with all their weather cards, which effectively makes their weather cards useless. And as you go through the game, your weather cards become more and more useless too. Sometimes if there's a certain deck that you can't beat, <clears throat> maybe you'll take a look at their deck and be like, okay, this guy uses a lot of ranged. I'm going to bring in whatever it is against range. But for the most part, I would take all the weather effects out of my deck, replace them with decoy, the horn, mm-hmm. and uh, clear weather. Because if they happen to just like accidentally, like say I had a whole bunch of ranged creatures in play, and they happen to have the counter for that, then clear weather would counter that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, the good thing about the decoy... Uh, so I had like the spy decoy, like basically deck. So if the, like you know, spy, but if you have the decoy, you can take their spy back into your deck. So then you can play it again. So it's like you're basically doubling down on your spies. So I mean, that's that's basically my strategy. Yeah, that's everyone's <laughs> strategy. I think it's it's the best strategy. Like toward the end of the game, a lot of the enemies are also have similar decks. Where like they're gonna play a spy on you. You use decoy to bounce their spy to your hand. Then you replay their spy on their side. Draw two cards. They may do it again. Sometimes you'll be trading the same spy back and forth three, four times. Yeah. And you both have cards like 14, 15 cards. And it it can get kind of ridiculous. But, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. It's not a hard game. Um, I managed to get some kind of trophy for having, uh, I think, over 250 power in play one time. I didn't even know it was a thing. But I had a game where it was just like, oh, look at this. You know, I had He's the, crushed up. He just crushed one. (laughs) Yeah, I had all three of the archer that doubles the other archer's power from the northern deck. There's three of them that you can get max. So if you have two, they both become 10-10s. And then if you have uh, all three, they become 30-30s. So I had all three of those in play with a horn. So they were (laughs) 60-60s. (laughs) Then on top of that, I had whatever else in play. And it was like 250 plus, you know, power. And I was like, I'm just crushing this guy. And then like a little trophy popped up and it was like, overkill or something i was like hey yeah you're not wrong <laughs> after uh yeah so my strategy was always like try to win the first round like throw out Geralt or whoever my hero cards were at first yeah. and usually usually the ai will like fold like they'll they'll tri- like they'll play something but if you play like some strong heavy hitters at first they'll fold and you'll win that first one pretty easy and after that i just throw everything i got left on them because you only have to win two so right. I was like, might as well just, then I just throw the whole kitchen sink at them, and usually they can't overcome it. Exactly, yeah, that, that's pretty much the strategy. Once you start getting some of the good cards, like if you get Geralt or Siri in your hand, you just drop that first game, and they'll either have to fold, like you say, <clears throat> or waste two or more cards against your one to try and, because you can then just, like, 
play a card that's innocuous, like let's say they don't immediately fold, they might play like a a ten ten and then pass back to you. Well, then you can just like even though there is no weather effects, cast a clear weather and then pass yeah. it back to them, and they're like, okay, what do I want to do? Do I want to play another monster card to beat this one? And then if they do, then maybe you know they play another 10-10, and all of a sudden they've got 20 in play to your 15, but you've wasted two one card that mattered and one card that didn't, and they've wasted two cards that mattered, so maybe you fold at that point. And- or, you, or you have that scorch, and you just scorch yeah. them. <laughs> and and then, they fold, yeah, then they fold, and you're like, yep, all right, done, game over. Exactly. Yeah, another that's another good play is um, that one Phoenix that you can get in the Northern uh, deck. I, I think it actually works for some cards. Work for any deck. And yeah, it's like a uh, I can't remember what it is. Some card that it's a, it dr- it's, a, it's a dragon or something. Yeah, it's like a seven uh, seven power, and when it comes into play, it destroys a mighty creature. It ki- yeah, it kills their strongest creature if their attacks over ten or something like that. Yeah. If the combined attacks over ten, it kills the strongest. Uh, front row creature. Right. I just call that Malie because it's like, uh, yeah, like you say, they're up close and personal. And um, then you can bounce that with a decoy to play it again and kill something else, or you can let it die and bring it back with one of your graveyard effects. Really cool. I mean, it plays a lot like Magic the Gathering if it was dumbed down like for child levels, but it's still mm-hmm. convol complicated enough to keep you interested and it's really fun um i think if it was any more complicated i probably lost interest um, yeah it's just complicated enough to keep you going i really enjoyed it a lot i ended up playing gwent at, like i said 20 30 hours i got all the cards in the game really had a lot of fun with it um yeah so that's gwent. because there's a, there's a well, i mean it does affect the main story too because you can win that you can win that, like that's a, the the best part about this game like everything you do that matters it ties in so there's a part of the game main main story or if you have a good gwent deck and you win it makes things easier for you oh so yeah because you can do that quest the tournament a couple different ways you can either decide to rob it and you can get the money that way or you can win and then have to kill that little gnome dude and uh, get the money and split it with the chick or you know there's a bunch of different ways you can go you can even uh, romance that girl and it doesn't affect uh, your later romances if you do it early enough uh, so there's yeah there's a lot of things you can do and it's a big chunk of change if you win you split a eight thousand dollar purse which is huge for this game so you get four grand and that's yeah that's one thing we didn't we didn't mention that like money is really really hard to come by in this game yeah and so the gold you need to so you might have all the stuff to make your witcher gear but then you can't afford it <laughs> yeah that's very real um one of the strategies i did to combat that was when i started getting like a lot of gear um you know you can either start throwing it away or not picking up stuff i would still roomba up just about everything and mm-hmm. just go sell it immediately like stop what i'm doing okay i'm just gonna go sell everything sell everything i could just to like keep that money high and yeah. right now i've got i don't know eight and a half nine grand um but uh, i'm told that yeah that won't last me any time yeah. on the dlc if you want to build all, if you, yeah, you want to build all the armor that won't last and the thing is um the other problem is the uh, the sellers or the mar- people at the market that you can sell things to. They only have so much money you can right. like se- like sell them things for. So they only have like a grand on them. So after that, they'll be like, "You can't sell this because they have no more money." You have to wait, <laughs> like meditate so many days, and they get it back. Or you can. Uh, there's one shop in the game where they have an inf- infinite money, and I can't remember where it is. Uh, and I know they patched a lot of the glitches from when I was there, when I played. Because there used to be like a pearl glitch where you can like 
get sea you get uh the the seashells and then you break them down to pearls and then you sell the pearls for a profit right but i think they patched that glitch and then there's like a they like um put a thing in where someone will, like a a guy will come tax you or something yeah cuz you <laughs> and he asks you point blank he's like hey did you did you break down seashells to make pearls to make infinite money and you can say yes uh whether you did or not or you can lie and say no whether you did or not and it affects the game in different ways <clears throat> uh, you get some certificate or something but he also asks you the most famous uh thing uh, regarding making money in this game is at the very beginning of the game in uh, White Orchard you can kill the cows in the town and take their hide and go sell them and then uh, meditate for an hour and they'll respawn and you can kill the cows in town again um, to make a lot of money early in the game to give yourself a little bit of a boost and now you can only if you kill the cows like 5 or 6 times this monster will come that's like level 27 uh, it's like a fiend but it has a special name and what's funny is uh people started farming the fiend. <laughs> they would kill the cows to kill the fiend to get the fiend blood and stuff like that. And they thought yeah. it was so funny. They just left that in. And of course I had to check that out. So I got to like level 30 and I went back to white orchard and I was like, all right, I'm cow killing for a while. And out of nowhere, this huge fiend just, and everyone <laughs> starts screaming. I was like, Holy shit, what the fuck? And I, you know, kill it. And then, uh, hours go by and there was some reason I went back to white orchard, I think to gather alchemy ingredients and it was back. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Back? Yeah, and I killed it again. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't even do any, I didn't kill a cow or anything. It was just like, hey, what's up? And I was like, holy shit, this guy, and he's just walking around the town and people are screaming. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll kill him again. And yeah, it was, it's wild. So I guess it, like, once you spawn it, like, it could just, it, it was either a bug or, like, once you spawn it, it's just always going to come back to that town. So... <laughs> Pretty cool. Oh, you doomed that town to death. Yeah, well, fuck them. <laughs> they were kind of dicks anyway. Uh, but yeah. that, in, that in a nutshell is The Witcher 3. Like I said, uh, I'm sure I could sit here and talk to you for another two or three hours. Is there any like other just like quests you want to mention real quick that really stood out to you that were really, really cool? Or um, Let me think. Like in the DLC, there's one, uh, the, uh, what, the, the first DLC, I can't remember what's called at this one. Is it Blood and Wine or is it, uh, not Blood and Wine, the other one. Uh, it's Hearts of Stone. Yeah. Hearts of Stone. So that one, like both of them are really cool. They're both cool stories. Um, there's one where you got kind of like get your, get a gang together and then break into this, into uh, this auction house and, um, I thought that was a really cool one because you, you can. There's a couple options, and like one of the options, you go like you gotta recruit this guy, and then you find out he's like already dead. <laughs> Someone already killed him. <laughs> uh, I don't know. This is really cool uh, side quest. Um, but like the the Hearts of Stone, it's like there's this guy that um, made a deal with like basically made the deal with the devil type things. What the story is? It's the guy that can stop time. Yeah, Mirror Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he's in the very, very beginning of the game, right? He helps you out at the beginning of the game or something. I I don't know. <laughs> I know of him, but I don't remember exactly where. Yeah, it's so long since I re I don't remember it, but he mentions like I helped you once in the beginning of the game, like in White Orchard or something like that. And uh, he's basically the devil. Yeah. So that uh, like it was super cool. So the guy made a deal with the devil, but like the only way to so the devil like recruits you to help because the only way. You can kill this guy because he can't. He's unkillable because he wished for immortality or whatever. Um, so to win the bet, the 
to lose his immortality, he like he like tricks the guy to meeting you, and the, then you can either um, side with the devil or save the guy. I see. Uh, but uh, it was a re- it's a really cool DLC, like the whole story. I've, I've um, heard it's incredible, like that, and then the one with the the vampires, and the other one where the chick is it, it's basically a Dorian Gray story. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's uh, Oscar Wilde's only book. Uh, Dorian Gray was the story of a man that got immortality by putting his uh, his portrait onto a magic painting, and the painting would age. And if he got injured, the painting would get injured, but he wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently, there's a DLC. Uh, I think it might be um, uh, Blood and Wine, or or maybe it's Hearts of Stone. One of them. There's a story that is basically that, where this lady, oh. yeah. And apparently, I haven't found that one yet. Okay, well, I think it was very sim- It's similar enough to that. You know, that's the thing about The Witcher is they pull all these, like, legends that you know of, you know, like Snow White. And they, and they twist Lord. on it. Yeah, yeah, they twist it just enough to where you're like, you recognize that it's from this thing, but it's it's no longer that thing. You know, Hansel and Gretel, and it becomes so much more with the, the three crows. Yeah. And then, like I said, the seven dwarves, and there's even a sleepy, but it's very dark, and it's so much more, <laughs> you know. And they do all these things. Well, there, okay, there, there is a thing where you have to go into a painting, and it says this dude's wife. That right, he kinda yes, cursed. Yes, that's it. Yeah, he kind of cursed her. Um, uh, she can't die. Like, she's waiting for him to come back, and he's never come back type thing. I don't know. That's, that's where the heart of stone comes, because right. he, uh, he basically doomed her. Yeah, he's oosh. Yeah, that, that one apparently is, is really good, and I'm really interested in playing through that. Um, but, yeah, the... <sighs> It's just so good, people. Just go if you like RPGs and yeah. you haven't played this game. Fucking, what is wrong with you? My, if you listen, if you listen this long, just go, just go play it. Just go my play it. Only regret is that it sat on my shelf for as long as it did, and that I didn't play it earlier. That's legitimately it. I really, I'm like you. I want to go back and play like the first and the second one, but the first one never appeared on anything except PC, to my knowledge. Um, yeah. And I don't want to play it on my PC. I hate playing stuff on PC. Um, I guess it's really un- I guess what I heard is really unplayable now. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Um, but I played it back when it wasn't bad. It was like you know, it was okay for the time. Yeah. But I really like the story, and that's what, like I said before, like I bought uh, Xbox because I, Witcher Two was not only going to be on Xbox or PC. Yeah, and my PC couldn't handle like it was such a advanced. Game. Yeah, it was such an advanced game. Like you, you see to play it, so I just bought. I just bought the Xbox so I can play other things, but that had a Mass Effect. Yeah. But I really love Witcher Two, and this is just adds to it, you know. So yeah, I know. And the only person like because he's just so stupid about this kind of thing. <laughs> Who? Sighton. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, you cut out like you every now and then you're cutting out, but then you always come right back. Um, yeah, Sighton. He hasn't played it yet, and he keeps saying that he's going to eventually. But his whole deal, I love the guy. But if a game is like gets a bunch of accolades it makes him want to play it less yeah <laughs> you know like he doesn't want to play spider-man because everyone loved it and he did you know he he's he's the guy that like he doesn't want to play stuff if everyone loves it because he doesn't he's want to agree with people <laughs> he's a, he's a, yeah he's a, contra- a con- i think they're called contrarians uh he doesn't like to agree with anybody but that's why i'm like i don't want to tell him there's a good game he needs to play because then he's like i don't like it yeah, I don't, I don't want to play it. I'll play this other, you know, he always suggests stuff to me that is like not as good as 
you know, like I, I didn't like Xenoblade Chronicles a whole lot. It was fine. Like if, if right, he's like okay. He got me onto Trails, which I love Trails. So I took his word on Xenoblade, and I don't know, maybe because I played like the old version. I guess there's a new one coming out. Maybe that one will be better. But yeah. it was a super slow paced game. Like I can get, I get it. Like we talked about it already, yeah. but. It was fine. It just, it wasn't what he said. And then like with his, you know, he said Darkstalkers is the best Zelda-like that's ever been made, better than any Zelda. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, we did a show over it. That game is not good. Uh, I, it's, I didn't hate it. It's fine, but it's like a six out of 10. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not good. And it had horrible uh, acting. It had horrible storylines. It was just, it was just like written by a high schooler. I was like, this is, this is not good. I don't know what he saw in it, other than the fact that it's not super mainstream. You know, yeah. I think that's what draws. He likes him. that indie shit. Yeah, he for sure, that. for sure. And I have more power to him. You know, I, I like that too. If it's good, I like finding something that is like not a lot of people like or know about, and it's like actually super good. But I'm also willing, like, when you got a game like The Witcher, and everyone's like, oh, this game is the best ever, and then you're like, all right, you go into it thinking that, and then it is just the best ever, and you're like, yeah, they were right. You know, I'm I'm all about, like, yeah, credit where credit's due. You know, I, I won't not play something because people say it's good. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, if you want to, I have a suggestion for a good short game that maybe you and James could knock out in a month, because okay. it, it only took me two days to beat. Um and it's a good indie game, Cosmic Star Heroine. Oh yeah, um, Brent and Nick did that, didn't they? No, that's that was like their next game they were gonna play. Oh, they were going to. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I was remembering uh, maybe it was they were gonna do it, and then another podcast I listened to probably did do it. But yeah, um, that's on the Switch. Uh, no, it's on Vita or it's on PS4. Oh, okay. PS- it's on all. It's it's. I think you probably get pretty cheap. It's just a deal. You can download it or whatever, but. Like I said, it's a, it's a really like nostalgic, like uh, pretty, like kind of SNES graphics type thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put it on the list. Right now, James and I, um, I don't know exactly what we're gonna do next. Uh, he and I had talked briefly about, um, you know, listeners. We us- usually remember to, to tell you what's going on. Uh, we're thinking about doing River City Girls because it's really short. Uh, James has a contest in his uh, video game club where they're playing uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and my 3DS is broken, so I can't play with him. But I want to give him an opportunity to play in this tournament. So uh, we were thinking about doing something really short like River City Girls you could beat in a day. It's uh, the modern-day sequel to River City Ransom. If you've played any of the Kunio Kun games, uh, it plays a little bit like that. Is that Double Dragon? Well, Double Dragon is a Kunio Kun game, yeah. Um, And then River City Ransom played a lot like Double Dragon. In fact, it had uh, the music from the original Double Dragon at the end, When You Meet the Dragon Twins, um, which were basically Billy and Jimmy from Double Dragon. But it plays, it's a fighting game and an RPG, all mixed up into one on the NES, and it is fucking incredible. And there's a series of games they made in Japan that were huge. Some of them were really, really big. Some of them were really, really not. They were all made by Technos, who made the first Double Dragon. And they also made uh, Dodgeball and Super Dodgeball, if you remember those games. I love Dodgeball. Oh, that's awesome. And if you haven't played River City Ransom, Kujo, oh my god, that game is so fucking good. It's on the original Nintendo. It's one of like ten games that I legitimately would recommend to anybody. And they uh, they released a 
a modern uh, sequel to it where instead of the boys saving the girls, you play as the girlfriends saving the boys in the storyline of River City Ransom. It's called River City Girls. It looks really, really great. I got a physical copy a few months ago and been itching to play it. And you can download it for, I think, less than 15 bucks. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it's just a fighting game with RPG elements. Yeah, uh, plays a lot like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World if you've played that. Um, just really great. I wish I would have bought that, man. I played the demo and I never bought it. Now it's like lost in the, in the ether yeah. forever. I've got I've got it on my PS3, and if my PS3 ever breaks, uh, I don't think I can get another copy. I think I can still download it as of now because I bought it before, but I don't know. I, it may be completely lost. If you yeah, the it. way that works is like you can't buy it anymore, but since you already paid for it, like you have the like I like the I have the Simpsons arcade. Right. Like on my PS, like I bought it a long time ago. Yeah, but you can't buy it anymore because the licensing ran out. Right. I can re-download. Like so, am I? I got a new PS3, and I was like, I wonder if I can still download it. And it still worked. So you probably can still play Scott Pilgrim, and you're one of the few that can. Yeah, well, it's it's awesome. I'm glad I bought it. I wish there was some way I could get it to you. I probably could if I let you sign in as me. You could probably download it, but yeah, fuck that. Um. <laughs> But it is, it's really good. I wish I wish I could let you play it. Um, yeah, anyway, so we were thinking about doing that. We're also, uh, probably not this next month, but very soon we're going to be doing uh, Lufia 2. Um, we're going to bring oh. in, uh, Joss Watts with us on that show. Nice. Yeah, uh, I need to get a copy. Uh, I don't as of yet have one. James has a uh, ROM that he, played, that he can play through his uh, SNES Classic, I think. I may even look into that and do that myself. I don't know. And, yeah, that's uh, we were thinking about those, and I think he had one other that he suggested. So it's going to be uh, very possibly uh, River City Girls for the next month. I'm not sure. And then uh, we will look into Cosmic Star Heroin. That's one that's kind of been on our short list for a while, too. So cool anyway Cujo is there anything you want to plug or you just want to say you know like you usually do just meet me in discord yeah I'm in discord if any of you guys are there I'll give you a, a, a nice little wave if you've never been there before yeah exactly <laughs> and you can find that discord link either by contacting me or James or going over to the RPG show website which I don't think is open anymore you said so uh, well uh, update Nick said he's going to look into it but uh, okay. yeah Today, like it was, it was working just yesterday because I was like trying to. I was listening to like some of the first like episodes, you know. Just I don't know. I was just feeling nostalgic, or I just missed Brent or whatever. But um, it was working. And then today, I was like thinking about like the I don't know, just the opening because I was thinking about what I was going to talk to you about today. And uh, yeah, it was just Squarespace. Please sign in if you're the owner or something like that. I was like, what the fuck. Um, that sucks, so, man. That sucks hardcore. I hope Nick's able to bring that back online in some way or another. And if he needs anything monetarily, you know, he can come to us and we'll help him, certainly. Um, but, yeah, uh, just contact me or James. You can find James at James Mulholland um, on Twitter. You can find me at RetroKel. That's K-H-E-L. You can find us both at our Facebook page, Is It Worth It uh, Facebook page. Uh, Is It Worth It podcast Facebook page. Um yeah, I mean, if you just type in Is It Worth a Podcast, you're going to find a number of ways to, to find and contact both of us. And if you want to get in on the Discord, we'll send you a link. Um, did you know Did you know there's a Is It Worth It? There's another Is It Worth a Podcast? Yeah, I, I, someone had tipped me off to that. And they're, they're the ones that show up on top. I'll, you, you have to scroll down a little bit to find you. Yeah. Because technically, I'm part of the Retro RPG podcast. Yeah. Um, 
I'm part of their feed. So like if you type in, is it worth it? I don't, I'm not the first thing to come up anymore. Uh, but you know, that's fine. I thought about sending them a message, even though their, their, their podcast is, or at least last I checked was much less popular than me. They only had like a few hundred listeners. Um, but the, I think the problem is like your, your feed doesn't like go into all the pod, um, networks or whatever. Yeah. The way it, it's like an RSS feed or something, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way you guys, I don't know if like Derek and Don can like get it uploaded to like all the other podcasts somehow or they could, I don't know if there's just like a button you push or how, how it works. I think they just don't care. <laughs> Have they done anything? I haven't paid attention. Have they done they anything lately? They haven't put anything out since I want to say September or maybe the month before that. It's been a while. Um, they put out Faster Than Light. Uh, they're supposed to be doing Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, that was supposed to drop two months ago, I think. It's still not out, so... They they put stuff out. It's infrequent. That's the whole reason they, quote-unquote, hired me, was to uh, put out content so that their channel would have regular content. And that's fine. I'm all for it, because they had a uh, a, a listener base to begin with. Uh, right. So that really helped me out, like, tons. I, w- I would have never gotten to podcasting it had it not been... For- but anyway, um, it's always good talking to you, Cujo. Uh, yep. Great to have you on. Talk to you again. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thanks, thanks for coming last minute. Uh, I was just really fortunate in that uh, you had played through The Witcher and that you had played it recently. Uh, because, <laughs> well, like I said, that show got me back into. It. It really got me really pumping. Like, okay, I need to do this DLC that I've been right. putting off of years. So, and and it did for a lot of people. Just real quick, we'll we'll mention that effect when uh, you know a celebrity dies. Like recently, Kobe. Kobe died. All his video games that he appeared in like went up exponentially. Same with Michael Jackson, and the same with like when a show comes out, like when Castlevania came out for Netflix. All of a sudden, all the Castlevania games go up in value. Well, uh, The Witcher saw a forty percent increase after The Witcher. The Witcher Three saw a forty percent increase in people playing it. Forty uh, percent increase after the show dropped. Uh, the Witcher Two for Xbox went from being like an eight dollar game to like a thirty dollar game overnight. Um, yeah, I don't know what it's at now, but it jumped like instantly because everyone was wanting to play it. Uh, right. And yeah, again, I don't know what it's at now. Usually these things settle back down a little bit within a month or two, and then they just kind of, uh, they never get that back down to their original point, uh, but they get closer to it, you know. So The Witcher is probably, The Witcher 2 is probably like a $15 game right now, um, which I, I need to play it one of these days. I hear it's not nearly as good as 3, but I still. What yeah, it's know? it's not, but I mean, you can see the progression from one to two to three. Yeah. But well, I I really want to play Cyberpunk, and I really wish they would just like be better to their employees. But man, yeah, is what it is. Uh, I, uh, I I'm not gonna not play it. It's just it's so much my jam. It's like modern day Snatcher. It's just so. Cool. Oh, I know. I it has know. like it has like actual like big name. Like it has Keanu Reeves in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but he's like one of my faves, and yeah, I just there's no way I'm not playing that game. And you know the story is gonna be good because they've been working on it forever. And Witcher Three is a, like you know such a great game. Yeah, I don't think it'll be better than Witcher Three. In that Witcher Three is just like it's just that is go play it if you haven't played it, people. Sight, and if you're listening, I doubt you are. Um, he he's real infrequent. I think I pissed him off after our um, Xenoblade Chronicles, and he quit listening to me. Because <laughs> he used to make comments on like the last show, and uh, except for uh, Yakuza Zero, 
which he tuned in for. He hasn't, you know, and I think I pissed him off with uh, Darkstalkers as well because that game is not good. Um, <laughs> it's just not. I, I I know Herakim liked Darkstalkers as well or whatever. Not Darkstalkers, Darksiders. It is not a good game. It is a mediocre game at best. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I think we've said all we've said. Uh, until next time, keep it retro. We'll see you next time. See ya. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Life Podcast with your good buddy, James. Hey, uh, here we go. We have a new podcast about Shining Force, a game that I played as a kid, loved every second of it. Uh, But before we get started, I want to throw a shout out to... A guy that emailed me about the my little Extra Life podcast here, David, um, he had some pretty kind words to say, and he also had a question about how I felt about the game Dungeons & Dragons Warriors of the Eternal Sun when I first played it, because he said he had some difficulty with it. And yes, I too had a lot of difficulty um, with this game when I first started playing it. I rented it a few times from my local video store, Video Time. Um, didn't do well at all. I mean, I was probably 10 or 11 years old when I started playing this game, and it, it does take a while to get used to it, especially if you're kind of new to the RPG genre. Um, once Video Time, I don't know, I think they sold or something happened, they started to phase out the old Sega games and started to phase in PlayStation games and Nintendo 64 games. I actually bought the copy I had rented two or three times, along with a few other games. Man, I wish I could go back in time right now and tell that kid, hey, buy every game that you can right now, man. You're going to love this stuff. Um, but I digress. So, yeah, David, I did have a lot of problems with the game early on. I rented it a few times and just got nowhere. It wasn't until I owned it and I was probably, gosh, 13 or 14 before I really got a full grasp of the game and started to play and beat it. Um, Okay, so Shining Force, uh, released in 1992. Um, Doing some research, evidently the original Shining Force for the Sega Genesis had the subtitle Legacy of the Gods, uh, I don't remember having that, uh, but maybe the Japanese version did, or maybe they plugged it in later. I don't know. I guess the original Star Wars was just Star Wars, and then it, they decided to add in the subtitle A New Hope later on. So maybe something similar here. Uh, developers, Climax Entertainment, Sonic Software Planning, uh, originally released for the Genesis, but then re-released for just about every Sega collection out there. It's downloadable on the Wii, iOS. It was on iOS, then it left iOS. Um, Now it's back on iOS, part of the Sega Forever system, which is pretty awesome. Uh, It's on Steam right now. There's some patches for it. I, I purchased it on Steam because this Shining Force does not have a difficulty setting Uh, Other Shining Forces will have a difficulty setting. This one does not, but this patch gives it a difficulty setting, and I wanted to play it on the hardest possible um, level. So I am replaying it on the hardest possible level now. It is more difficult. All the enemies have uh, much higher hit points, much higher attack, so having a good time now. Um, It was re-released again for the Game Boy Advance. This added another storyline plus four additional characters. I did play through that version, ooh boy, seven, eight, nine years ago. I don't remember it being that much more exciting uh, than the original, but 
I guess it was cool to have four extra characters. I own it everywhere. I mean, I own it. I own every Sega Genesis collection. I own the original Sega. I own it for both iOSs. I have the original one that was released for iOS, and now the Sega Forever one for iOS, the Game Boy Advance versions. It is one of my favorite games, and that's why I'm going to be talking about it today. All right, story. Hey, um, well, you play as a protagonist, Max. Unless you change his name. Um, you wash up on shore... And this knight finds you, and he raises and trains you like his own son. Um, over a few years, the king then orders you uh, to go stop the evil Kane, who, uh, spoiler alert, ends up being your half-brother, uh, from opening up the Shining Path and resurrecting the Dark Dragon. First thing you do is you accrue a party. Um, four, four of your childhood friends join you. And you embark, and it basically takes you to this area where you have your first battle. Um, kind of spoiler alert, uh, you don't do so well, and the world shakes and changes forever. Um, this big rift opens up. You return to your castle, and, and your king is killed by your brother king. Um, but don't worry, the king's daughter, who's a centaur, joins you. Keep in mind now, the king is not a centaur, so use your imagination what went down there. Um, you go north to another kingdom, and you're imprisoned. Um, the king is working with Cain. You escape, and then you move on to the next chapter. See, this game is chapter-based. It's very fantasy, you know, dwarves, wizards, uh, warriors, centaurs, priests. It kind of takes a left turn and goes into the science fiction realm um, for a little while. But for the most part, it is in the fantasy genre. Um, it's eight chapters long. Each chapter, you're basically chasing Kane, learning more about the world, trying to figure out what's going on with this villain Dark Soul and the resurrection of this Dark Dragon. Um, each chapter basically has a big baddie. Um, that either introduces himself or herself in the beginning, and you need to, you know, figure out her plot and what her part is in this overarching story. Um, there are generally four to six battles per chapter. I think chapter chapter five only has three. Um, so pretty long game. Uh, probably take you. Oh gosh, if you know what you're doing and you don't care about leveling up. I don't know, 10, 12 hours, maybe right around there to complete it. Um, we'll kind of talk about why that number has a big asterisk by it um, a little later. Uh, there is no world exploration. Yeah, you can kind of move around like the villages and explore stuff and find secrets. Uh, but you're not going to be like walking around some overworld like you would in Final Fantasy, which is kind of unfortunate. I kind of like that part of it. Shining Force 2 has a little bit of that. Um but it doesn't really lend itself well to this style of game. Uh, gameplay, to get into it, good segue. Um, it, it's your Final Fantasy Tactics. See, normally you use this game to describe like Final Fantasy Tactics and other games in this genre. It is a strategy RPG where you have X number of um, units or players, playable characters. The max you can have is 12 in this game. And... When your character is selected, you move about on a grid. Each character has their own movement range. Once you reach that movement range, you can no longer move. 
Um, it's highlighted for you in kind of a darker shadowy area, so you, you can move around. It is all grid-based also, so everything's a, a little square. Once you approach a character, you can then choose an action. You have attack, you got magic, you got heal, um, and that's and that's it. So you move about, and you, you're basically in individual battles. Like I said, you have about four to six battles per chapter. Um, each chapter generally, or each battle, excuse me, has a, an end boss of some sort. It may not be like a real big baddie. It just might be like a, a new like grunt character that you haven't seen before. You take him out. Uh, the missions to take him out when you take him out, or everyone else dies. It's a pretty cool game, though. I, I really like it. Each character, there's a lot of customization with your party. Like I said, you have 12 characters, but I believe, oh, hold on. I'm not going to believe anything. I actually have it right here. I just don't remember. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. 30 characters to choose from. You got Nick, or not Nick, excuse me. Nick's in the, the sequel, which I'm going to just dip into a little bit later you got max who's kind of like your soldier your fighter you got some dwarves you got some centaurs you got some archers you got some wizards um you got some monks you got some flying bird people you got some beast people um you got a couple of off offshoot characters uh we're going to talk more about the characters here in a little bit uh you got your ninja your samurai your dragon you got this cyborg thing, Adam. That's um, yeah, pretty much pretty much the gist of it. Uh, growing up, I'm gonna kind of get into. If you've played the game now, this will make a little bit more sense. I had Max, of course, my main character. Although when I was first playing this game, for some reason, see if if he dies, the game's over. Or your yeah, your game's over. So you want to keep. When I originally started playing, I kept him back like i didn't even use him it was like nope stay back here i don't need you i'll win this battle with the other 11 characters which is dumb because he is one of the most powerful characters you just got to make sure you play him smart you know have someone around him that can heal him or have an herb with him or just don't send him off somewhere completely by himself i then had luke and gort they were both dwarves see my first playthrough you know i was a kid i was i don't know third fourth grade I missed a lot of the hidden characters because I'm just walking around rushing through. I don't know. I'm just loving this game. Um, so there's a few characters, one, a beast man named Xylo that I just like completely missed. Um, and he is a super strong character. Domingo, he looks like, I don't know, some sort of like octopus looking thing. He looks like, God, what's, not Mr. Clean, but one of those scrub bubble guys that like goes around and scrubs your toilets. Used to be on some old commercials. He's one of the best characters in the game because he floats and can cast... Um, freeze magic um i've heard the dragon blue is really good you get the dragon so late in the game that you know i don't i've never really played with uh, him very much see the thing with this game is uh once you hit level 10 your character is able to be promoted the thing is and everything you read it's like don't promote them at level 10 though you want to wait till they're at a higher level. And I have read everything from wait till they're at level 15 to level 20 to do not promote them ever, you know, until you absolutely have to. Because at a certain point, I believe there are weapons that you cannot use until you are promoted. And people are just like, don't do it. And that you could be in like chapter six or chapter seven before you decide to promote your characters. And I, when I was a kid, like, where's the fun in that? Even when I replay this game, like, I usually get to about level 14 or 15, and I'm like, ah, I just want to promote. I want to move on. Um, but, man, there's a 
lot of discussion about when you should do this. And I think it's actually something that's a little broken with this game. Like they, it should be when you promote, you don't get, because when you promote it, if you promote at level 10, your character gets weaker. It takes away stats. And I don't understand that. A promotion should be everything should increase. You know, maybe even you get a new skill. You get something different. It shouldn't be like a hindrance or something that's going to like detract from your character. So that is one area where I'm like, nah, I don't know. Um, originally playing this game, again, just getting back into some of the characters I used to play with. Ken, he's a centaur. May, May is the daughter of the king. Uh, both centaurs. I've heard there's other centaurs that are better. There's one, two, three, four, uh, five, six centaurs in this game, which you'd think that's a lot. Plus Lyle, he's also a centaur, but he, uh, he doesn't, um, he's different because he has a bazooka or he, you know, he has projectile weapons similar to one of the archers. Some other cool characters, uh, the samurai Musashi, one of the strongest characters in the game, one of my favorite characters in the game. You get him so late in the game, um, you definitely need him, but I wish you had him earlier because he's like my favorite person. He can, he has great movement. He's super powerful. Uh, there's another ninja you get like the very last chapter, I believe, Hanzo. Uh, I played with him the, my first round, but he's just not very powerful. Um, let's see, more my original character, my original party. Gosh, Balbaroy, he was one of the birdmen. Um, honestly, I don't play with the bird people anymore because they just they have great movement because they can fly everywhere. But their strength, you know, it's good, but their defense is just so bad. The archers, you use the archers so much in the beginning of the game and something, I don't know, they don't promote well. So once they promote... I start to phase them out. Zylo, the beast guy I talked about earlier, he's amazing. Jogurt, he's a hidden character. Uh, he's terrible, but if you level him up, he gets a ring, and you equip that ring to somebody else, and they turn into another Jogurt. They look like a Jogurt. So you can have like 10 of these little hamster things with helmets running, or not 10, 12, of these little hamster things with helmets running around, which you know I don't know if you want or not, but it's up to you. Uh, let's see, Kokichi, he is kind of an offshoot character, kind of a single character. He's a flyer that uses lances. Mm, I never really used him. He's a hidden character. Uh, Gunt's another hidden character. He is just a big tank thing, uses lances also. God, a lot of characters use lances. Arthur is one of the best centaurs in the game because he is unique because he uses the lance or the spear, but he can also cast magic if you power him up enough or you level him up enough, rather. Um Overall, this is just a really good, solid game. Like I mentioned earlier in the intro, it is definitely one of my favorite games. Um, I admit the second one is just a better overall game. They, you know, they learn from some of their little mistakes here and there. Level system, still a little weird, but for some reason it feels like it makes a little bit more sense in part two. Um, but one of my ultimate favorite games, I guess I was reading about this game before I did the, uh, this podcast here. And I found that, like, there's more of them in Japan, first of all. And I don't know if it's the translation or what they did, but they all kind of link together better. Uh, I was playing the Sega CD um, version of this game, or it's, it's Shining Force CD, and it isn't a direct sequel to this game. It takes place 20 years later, which is really cool, because immediately it, like, opens up with... Um, some of your same characters you played in this game, but it's 20 years later, and you get a chance to see what they're doing now. Uh, one of them, the one of the priests, Lao, he kind of joins you and becomes kind of your like narrator or confidant. You have one in this game also that kind of takes care of your party. When you want to switch people out, you go talk to him, or if you need advice, you go talk to him. That's what Lao becomes. He also becomes your priest, so you can, if you're 
someone in your party dies, he'll bring your person back to life or he'll help promote your person or um, cure, cure your person if they are cursed. Um, it's very similar to Shining Force 1 in game style. The, there is, that they've taken away any and all like moving around a map, um, like overhead map, overview map uh, in the open world. There is none of that, like similar to Shining Force 1, but there is also none of that in like the towns or villages or castles. It's like you have two options. You either go left and you go talk to Lao and you get people healed or you switch party members, or sometimes you can go to the right and you buy weapons and buy armor and buy items. So they've taken a lot of that away, and I think that was, I don't know, kind of a disservice. The battles themselves, very similar to Shining Force 1. I'm halfway through, let's see, there's there's two uh, scenarios you can play in Shining Force, Shining Force CD. I am playing Scenario 1, and I'm a little over halfway through it. So far, so good. I'm going to try and finish at least Scenario 1. You know, it, it's it's okay. I, I'm, I've emulated it, or I'm playing it on a website, so it's like always up on my browser here. So I usually, when I'm holding a baby, I'll play a few rounds and then, you know, put it in, close my computer, and when I open my computer back up, and bam, it continues right where I left off. So I'm going through it slowly, but I guess it's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see how far it gets. But back to the Japan, I mean, there's so much more, I guess. They had other Shining Force games that, connected more to one another there is even a shining force game where you get to play as your original hero from this one uh kind of a spoiler alert toward the end of the game your hero sacrifices himself to kill the dark dragon then disappears along with this robot cyborg character adam that was could that joins your party and can be part of your original or part of your 12 uh, he goes with them but they both somehow come back in another shining force game see everything just kind of connected more there over here in america we have Shining Force 1, we have Shining Force 2, we had Shining Force 3 for Sega Saturn, which has nothing to do with anything. Um, then you had the Sega Shining Force CD, which not many people own the Sega CD in this game. I don't I don't know anyone that owned Shining Force CD. I didn't even know it existed till much later. Uh, there were some Game Gear ports, which I hear the Game Gear ports and the Shining Force CD, a lot of those are the same, I guess. I do have one, like a sort of Hara or Haja or something like that. Um and then Shining Force CD, I guess there's two scenarios, but if you beat both of them on the same hard drive, it un- unlocks a scenario three. So I'm hoping the one I'm playing now online will ultimately unlock this scenario three. We'll see. I'll, I'll probably get there in a few months. I don't know. Like I said, it's slow going. Uh, but amazing game. It's available on all sorts of different platforms. I mean, Sega Genesis collections on the PlayStation. It's for the... Game Boy Advance. It's on your iOS. Uh, you can get it for the original Sega. It's not too expensive. I totally recommend it. An amazing, an amazing game. I think that's it for me. Blaine and I are going to be recording here soon. We're still waiting to talk about Dragon Quest V. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll get to the, we'll get that together soon. I'm sure. Hey, if you have any questions, concerns, comments for me, please send me an email. Uh, goodbuddyjames at gmail.com. Send me one. I'm usually pretty quick to respond. I love chatting with people about older retro games. Uh, It's a lot of fun. All right, everybody. Well, as always, keep it retro.
Anyway, what I was going to say was that just, um, and this is a weird way to start the podcast, but for those of you listening, Cujo and I have been talking for a couple minutes. Uh, We've decided to record through Discord rather than uh, my normal phone call uh, to get a little bit better quality in his voice. Uh, He may may not hear me as well, so you might hear him asking uh, what I've said or whatever, but we were talking a little bit about the RPG show because that's kind of how we mutually know each other and met, and um, apparently today the website went down. Uh, that's a bummer, and uh, we we're just talking about how random it is that uh, you know anyone can die at any moment. And I was just gonna regale him a, a story about how I was at a birthday party um, just earlier this week, where um, uh, we went to one of my daughter's like little friends from school's party, and I mean, they're—I wouldn't say it's her best friend; it's probably like her third best friend or whatever. But they're still pretty close. And I met close friends. Yeah, pretty close, you know, and I met the parents finally, you know, I, I knew the girl from a couple of field trips and stuff and Caroline just incessantly talking about her and her other friends at school. And then just today, Caroline said, yeah, Shaylee's sad. Her dad just died. And I was like, what? Damn. <laughs> I was like, what What happened? And she said, well, uh, uh, he was driving. It wasn't his fault. He got hit by a truck. And I instantly, Jesus, instantly thought of Brent. And I'm like, God damn, you know, it's just, it can happen to any of us at any time. And it's so fucking scary scary because you know i don't I know, know it's so scary well like you know when kobe bryant died everyone's yeah. just like oh it's so random and i was like i know like i know someone who just randomly died like this year and that's what like that's oh not last year and it's yeah. just like it's just so crazy how like you think everything's fine and like you really like realize your mortality and stuff like, yeah and stuff like when someone like someone around you like that just dies, you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that you could ju- the idea that you could just go at any moment is is a uh, real sobering, especially uh, like in the case of Brent and myself and James and you know we're all parents and and to think that you know uh, someone could just have you know as young as that could have their father ripped away from them at, at that age. You know, uh, my parents got divorced when I was uh, six. Yeah, six years old. So right at the same age Caroline is now. And I remember my dad, like my biological father, but most of my memories of him are from later on when like I would go and visit him randomly or like call on the phone here and there and stuff like that. It's not from, you know, before they got the divorce. I I remember like two or three things, you know, 
um, vividly, you know, one of which is playing the Atari. Um, but yeah, so it just, it's, it's scary to me, you know, and, and vice versa, you know, it terrifies me that something might happen to my kid, you know, because I hear all these stories about, you know, that would never happen to my kid. And then, you know, you think, well, shit, you know, I basically live in constant terror and I just drink uh, <laughs> Pepto-Bismol all day long. And <laughs> well, I know driving down the highway now, it's like anytime, oh, a semi, anytime a semi is around me, it just kind of like, Hairs my neck end up just kind of like driving. Just I legitimately. I'm like I'm a hyper. I'm like way more hyper aware than I than I used to. Used like to be. before, I was. I used to be still aware, but now it's just like, oh, like yeah. I, I don't want to fly. I don't want to like. I don't know. I kind of like hermit up a little bit. You know, like I don't want to do stuff as much as I used to. It took a good two months or a month and a half, something like that, before I'd even get on the highway. I would find any excuse I could driving in town not to use it, and I've slowly kind of gotten better. I still don't use it nearly as much as I used to. Uh, I It's just, it terrifies me. You know, I could get in an accident in town going 30 miles an hour, and I'm fairly confident that I wouldn't die from that. I might be fucked up, but I'd be all right. Yeah. But going on the highway, uh, you get hit, you're a stain. Uh, there's almost no chance of you living, you know, especially if you get hit by something the size of a semi, you know, and I've gone through this a few times. I had a friend when I was, uh, 18 that was only 15. He was a few years younger than me, but he was a good friend, uh, got hit by a semi truck while he was on a four wheeler. Um, he was trying to cross the highway and I guess just didn't see whatever. I mean, who, who knows what's going through his mind? He's, you know, he's dead. And, uh, they had an open casket for the kid and they really should not have uh they tried to reconstruct. oh really oh yeah they tried to reconstruct him but you could tell like you could see it looked to me like paper mache they used something to kind of reconstruct him and it looked so fake he didn't look like himself uh it, it really killed everyone's heart just to see this kid he was a good kid you know we I wouldn't say he was one of my best friends, but he was one of those types. He was always around. We would play uh, magic together, video games and stuff. A lot of fond memories uh, hanging out with the kid. And, yeah, it was just one day he was there. And then the next day they're like, did you hear he got hit by a truck? And I was like, that, what? That doesn't happen, you know. Uh, same with a year later, a good friend of, a real good friend, a much better friend, uh, had gone off to college, was gone for a few months, and uh, was shot and killed and thrown in the Hudson River while he was in uh, New York. And, you know, it's it's stuff like that, and I've lost a few to suicide and stuff too, but, uh, you know, you, you tend to get callous to it for a while, and then something like that happens, and it just opens the, you know, quote-unquote wound back up and uh, reminds you of your mortality and everything else, so... Yeah, but, just never know. Yeah, and it's like I said, with this one, it's taking a lot longer. Uh, I mean, I Brent was a great friend, um, you know, but I wouldn't say he was any, like, a better friend than some of the other people I've lost. It's just that, like I was saying to you uh, before we started recording, that um, because of the way that I knew Brent and probably the way that you knew him as well, it was through uh, the podcast and listening to him and stuff, and then you would occasionally talk to him one-on-one or whatever. You know, I would call Brent occasionally or he would call me and we would just shoot the shit or talk about our respective shows. And because of that, it, it 
you know, I haven't had that closure. I haven't felt like he's actually gone. I feel like at any moment I could call him and still do occasionally send him uh, text messages via either Discord or really? on the phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just get to thinking about him and I'll send him a message. I'll say, hey, man, I know you're not going to get this, but I miss you. I wish you were still around. I hate that you're gone. You know, whatever it is, you know, just to kind of get me through that feeling and it gives me a little bit of closure, but I mean, you know. I'd like it a lot if someone were to respond. I'd freak out, but uh, <laughs> I wish that other than you guys who um, who also listen to his show and uh, are on Discord with us, there's no one I can really talk to about you know uh, losing. Well, that's well. The hardest thing I think is that he is kind of the linchpin of everything. You know, like he kept all of us together. He's the one that brought you know created it and yeah, it joined all the shows and I don't know like. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know you guys without him. And no, for sure. And there's a lot of it, us that same way. You know, we kind of early on we're just like, hey, hey, let's get together. But you're you're more than right in that he was. Uh, he pushed you know me being on his show a lot more than I did. You know, vice versa. And he he really did all he could to uh, to to join us together. Not like in the in the sense that I was literally part of his show or he mine, but like. You know, why not share fans? We have very similar shows. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was super cool. They asked me to be on the show, and yeah, I mean, I was big fan of just listening to them. And uh, I started on the message boards, just talking to them, and randomly they, and then um, they asked me to be on. And I don't know, I was, I'm, I felt, I don't know, honored, honored to be a yeah. part of, you know, honored to be kind of like on the show, and I got to do more than one episode. So I don't know, it just sucks that. Uh, yeah. It's not never. It, even if it does like uh, Nick does do more episodes, not gonna be the same. You know, it's no. not ever be no. the same. You know, and that's I, that's the hardest part for me to like accept. It's like, yeah, we still do podcasts and stuff like that, but it's like I don't know. Just with Brent, yeah. not gonna be there. So yeah, it, it's definitely weird. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> l- listeners, for uh, being so somber at the beginning of this episode, but uh, that is uh, what Cujo and I know each other the most through is uh, our mutual friend Brent he has been on uh, this show before he he joined us for the Xenoblade Chronicles I believe and he was also with us on video games the movie uh, when that show still existed we tried to bring it back and then tragedy hit and uh, that's kind of in hiatus right now uh, James and I have been talking about creating our own feed to bring that back um, and there are also potential other shows that may or may not be in the works. We've, uh, I've discussed with a few people of making like a bigger, a bigger show where it was more just about video games in general. And we'd have like a rotating round table of people that could talk that may come to fruition at some point. It may not. If that's something that sounds awesome to you, please write me and let me know. Cause the more people that write and say, Hey, that sounds really cool. I'd like to hear that, you know, with, uh, some of the fans from both shows bring us together. I'd love Nick to be a part of it. Um, anything I could do to help Nick, you know, uh, he and I, uh, have always kind of bagged on each other a bunch and stuff. And it, I, I genuinely like Nick. I don't know if he genuinely likes me. I think he's kind of one of those people that it's very hard to, uh, get him to like you. You know, I think he hates just about everyone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Nick's, Nick's a good friend, you know, and if, if he did want to bring back the show, you know, um, or do another one or whatever, I would, 
100% do whatever he needed, whether it be uh, recording, editing, whatever he needed, I would do that, uh, and I just want him to know. Uh, of course, he's not listening to this. I think he's listened to all of one episode of my show, uh, and that was just to, like, back yeah. me. Yeah. He didn't even listen to, like, the one, like the, the ones Brett and I did together, I don't think. No, no, he... <laughs> He doesn't listen to the ones he's on either, you know, which is... Yeah, I know that for sure. I know he never listens to his own, and I knew... Because, like, he didn't know, like, I brought something Brent... Uh, he didn't know Brent, like, records or something like that. And I think that's something him and I talked about on um, one of the episodes I did with him. Yeah. Like the, one of the extra ones he did with we did together, and... Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of like I knew he didn't listen. <laughs> right. No, he doesn't. I, I've still got a pile of records that uh, I was saving up. Um, rather than like send them individually, I was going to get five or ten together and send them all to Brent at once because he collected uh, 80s soundtracks on vinyl. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've got well, some he, good ones. He wanted, uh, what was it, uh, Octopath Traveler on mm-hmm. vinyl. And I was, because I remember like he's saying that and I went to go look for it and they didn't have any on vinyl. So. It was just like CDs and stuff, yeah. um, which wasn't the same for him. It's it's uh, not, you know, and we had uh, one of the newest members in um, Discord, Vinkst or whatever the, I can't, I can't pronounce fake names, but uh, a new member in Discord was uh, kind of telling me, schooling me a little bit why it is that uh, vinyl sounds better to me and some people than it does others. It has something to do with the imperfections uh, causing you to make it feel as though it's more whole than one that's, I guess, recorded without any imperfections or something. I don't mm. know. All I know is it sounds better on fucking vinyl. Uh, kiss my ass. Music just sounds better on vinyl. It sounds more warm, more real, like I'm in the room, rather than, you know, just, I don't know, wooden. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, soulless sometimes. Um, you can take the same song, listen to it on vinyl, and, and then on like a CD or MP3 or whatever, and it just, night and day to me, but, you know, some mm. people don't hear it. I, I've... I haven't listened to anything on vinyl forever, so I guess I couldn't I couldn't tell. Yeah, I for the longest time, you know, I, I didn't see a huge difference and then maybe I don't know, ten years ago or so I started listening to more vinyl just just cause it was, you know, the hipster thing to do and of course, you know, I'm like, Yeah, fuck, I've got a bunch of vinyl, I'll I'll pop this stuff in and it was, you know, well known stuff, stuff that I'd listened to to death elsewhere and I was like, This just sounds better. Uh, you know, <clears> it just it just does, you know, so yeah, so that's what when I saw that Final Fantasy VII like remake's gonna have uh, all the music on vinyl and the old music from the original game on vinyl. I was like, that's definitely something Brenton would loved. So. Oh yeah, God, yeah, would have went Gaga over that. That guy and Final Fantasy VII is like me and Snatcher. Um, he just wouldn't shut up about it once he got him started. <laughs> uh, the yeah. first time I was on his podcast, which was for. Um, God, what did we do? I think it was called Dragon Warrior and Drywall, and we, we it was just an off-topic episode where we told stories about RPGs, and I think they kind of hit me with a couple questions I wasn't expecting, like uh, how would I build an RPG if I were to do it, and so on and so and I just didn't have anything prepared, uh, and so it ended up being probably a pretty bland episode. But um, before the episode dropped, he and I were waiting for, I want to say it was Nick and Glenn. It may have been just Glenn to uh, join us on the episode and he talked my ear off for a good hour about his favorite compositions of final fantasy seven, uh, you know, and party formations and what materia and, you know, just all kinds of different things. And I'm going, okay, I mean, it's a good game, but you know, but 
to him it was you know a masterpiece and it is it is for the era when you go back to it it does feel a little dated to me but i yeah it's that nostalgia thing you know yeah for sure and he um he was definitely definitely looking forward to the remake and it kills me that he's never going to get to see it and i was thinking about skipping it entirely but um now with him gone i feel like uh, i'd be doing a disservice it's gonna make it's gonna make you think of him when you start playing that yeah i'm I'm definitely going to play it, and we're definitely going to do it for the show. So uh, look forward to that, James and I. Uh, I'm yeah, I'm definitely sure. playing that day one. Yeah, I, I, we could probably just do like a, uh, a a cast with a bunch of us because I, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, all, nearly everyone in Discord will be playing that pretty close to release. So yeah, and that, I know what you're saying. Like, uh, if you want to do a new show or if you get like a, your own website, because I know you're like on this one, and then yeah. You're on Brent's. I don't know how hard that is. Uh, you know, it actually, in a lot of ways, it's made it easier um, because with both uh, Derek and Don and Brent, all I would have to do would uh, was make the episode, edit it, and then send it to him via Dropbox and then just forget about it. Whereas if I had my own feed, I would have to like upload it to that and take care of my own website where both of them would uh, upload it to their respective websites with you know links and all that stuff for me. And uh, Brent would actually do show notes for me too a lot of the time and it's just uh, so much easier you know i don't have to <laughs> do anything and it's kind of that's why i kind of understand nick a little bit it's just like i don't know if i'd still be podcasting if it weren't for the fact that they do that for me and also james if it wasn't for james i think i'd have probably quit two years ago i mean i when i was doing the the shows of uh brent i like i don't know i love doing those show notes i like doing the research and i put like uh I put pictures and stuff in there and links and all this kind of stuff in the show. Oh, it's like yeah. he'd have like, you know, the normal stuff and I would like throw a bunch of crap in there. Oh. I don't know. That's kind of half the fun for me is like doing the research and having talking points and stuff like that, you know? Nice. Yeah. I should do a podcast with you more often because I, I me and James both are real uh, fly by the seat of our pants kind of guys. Um, we've done podcasts where, you know, especially when I would like guest on Brent stuff where I would do very little to no research. Like I did the breath fire three episode. And I think I played the first hour and a half to kind of remember a little bit about breath fire three. And then like, he hit me with a question at some point, I think it was like, uh, what's your favorite boss in the game. And because I couldn't, I played like an hour. I only knew of the very first boss. So I had to say that one, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I don't remember the names of the other bosses. I really wish I could say, but, yeah. but yeah, you know, uh, stuff like that. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, he was always very professional and stuff. It's like I've said a hundred times, he was the best of us. As far as all the people in our community that put out content, he was the one that, uh, had the most gumption and uh, was the best at doing a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just hard to be consistent. Like he was really consistent with it. And he was, yeah, for a long time. It takes a lot of uh, effort, and you got to really love doing it. So, it's, yeah. so I, I, I couldn't do it as much as he did. Like I could do it every once in a while, but like his, every month or like when they first were going, it was like twice a month they're putting stuff out. So. Yeah, sometimes more, which is crazy to me because even on the format which we've run this show, which is once a month, uh, we're often late, um, especially this last year. We've been real bad about it. And it sometimes it's like so hard to get a show out that like we'll last minute just be like, okay, fuck it, let's just do anything, you know, and we'll, you know, end up with a really poor episode because of it. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, this episode's going really, really dark. But <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the we're going to be talking about The Witcher, which is a pretty dark game if you think about it. Yeah, for sure. And those of you that don't know what uh, The Witcher is, um, you know, climb out from under the rock that you've been living for the past, you know, however many years, because The Witcher is super popular, especially the installment that we're talking about, which is Three: The Wild Hunt. Um, it came out what a while ago. It was one of the first PS4 games, I think, or was it even? On- yeah, it came out. It came out in 2015. It's five years ago in that game. Like it holds up so well for a five-year-old game. Like I was, I was blown away how it doesn't seem like it seemed like it came out yesterday when yeah, I was playing it. You it's, know, it's incredible. It. Uh, going to talk a lot of sugar about this game just uh be aware that there's going to be tons of spoilers regarding it i'm sure i don't know what all we're going to get into we've already been chatting for 20 30 minutes about uh, the rpg show and brent um so we'll get into as much as we can if i uh i'm going to keep an eye on the red dot if we run out of um room we might make this a two-parter uh my daughter just pushed something under the door uh, <laughs> hold on <laughs> I, I mean, we could uh, t- totally uh, do just a, p- a podcast about Brent and the RPG show. No, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, in fact, you know, <laughs> we could that's, do that. That's... We could do that and record an episode about The Witcher later, or we can just get as much, you know. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good with whatever, man. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I, I'm glad that you and I touched on it, and I'll probably continue to talk about Brent for the length of this podcast. If I'm doing it for another five years, I'm sure I'm still going to bring him up in almost every episode because uh, he's a big part of why I still do it. Um, we pushed each other yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, he's the only reason why I'm doing it. Like, the only reason I even – I never thought I would ever do something like this and – Right. Just kind of happened. It happened organically. That's what the best part about it. Like I was looking for this, you know, someone to talk like, you know, someone that talks about RPGs and is passionate, like how I am about them. And I found this, you know, that show, and then I found you, uh, yeah, you yeah. guys as well. So it's like it's good having that. Like we have like that base group of like five or six of us that's in Discord all the time. And every you know every month there's like a new guy and he's there for a month and we get some <laughs> we get some new blood in there and it's like and they're gone but hey we gotta have some fun with that new guy for a while. I know, man. Like since Brent passed, we've had at least five, six people that were in there, and some of them were pretty heavy talkers for a while. Like Savage Galka, like I talked to him a bunch, and he seemed a really chill dude, really cool guy, and then he just oh he's gone. And then uh, more recently with the. Uh, BB, whatever his name is, that guy talked him up for a while. He's gone. And now we've got the dude from Australia who seems pretty cool. Uh, I'm just. Yeah, but he spells everything so weird. Well, I mean, he's from Australia. You know. Is that. That's not Australian, is it? Yeah. The, the Australian English, uh, they, they spell a lot of words differently than you and I would. Uh, you know, I, color. I did not. In it so, I did not know that. Yeah, so on and so on. I mean, not. Not everything, but yeah, if you've ever read like, uh, say, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or other English works, uh, unless you read the, like, sometimes they'll translate them, quote-unquote, for English audiences, but if you read the original versions, they'll have all kinds of weird things in there. You're like, what are they talking about? You know, like in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I remember, Caroline, will you stop? <laughs> she's got coat hangers under my door, and she's poking one to poke another to poke a, a picture. <laughs> <laughs> that says poop on it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely your daughter right there. <laughs> yeah. Caroline, will you pick up your poop emoji that you drove and take it out, please? You want to say hello to everyone real quick? 
just say hi, and then please, please leave me alone. Hi. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I love your drawing. Very good. Thank you, baby. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, boy. Yeah, she's, it went from she would respect when I was recording to now she, she's like, oh, no one's paying attention to me. I better, you know, I better do something. And I feel well, bad. But anyway, I forgot. I lost, completely lost my train of thought. Yeah, I, I forgot what we were talking about, too. <laughs> oh, man. Poop emoji. That's a, She drew a picture with all the different emojis on it. It's got, you know, the cat and a, a little smiley face. And then it says poop. And it's just, you know, a pile of poop. So that's, nice. that's my daughter. Love her a bunch. Um, Yeah, so. How much time do we got left on this, on this one before uh, we run out? I don't know how long we've officially been recording. Usually I uh, base it on my how long the phone call is. And, oh, yeah. Uh, See, voice chat on the RPG show. Yeah, I don't know when it started. So normally I, I base it off of the actual phone call length. Let me see. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. I was going to say, we could just uh, start like with Witcher, you know, yeah. fresh. If you, we've been talking because, about 23 minutes. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of losing out. I kind of want to hang up and like try back in again and see if I can get you better. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, what do you want to do with this? Do you want me to save it to my computer? Because I only have so much room on my Zoom. I could transfer it to the computer real quick and call you back in 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. All right, I'll do that. And just you want me to call you physically then? Well, let me uh, hold on, let me like disconnect and try to come back in and see if uh, if I hear you any better. Okay, I'll uh, I'll just leave it running then. I'll, right. I'll leave I'll Discord look. running and then I'll stop record and we can tack this right. on to the end or whatever. All right, cool. All right, cool. One sec. One sec. <laughs> when a humble bar graced a ride along. With Geralt of Rivia, along came this song. From when the White Wolf fought a silver-toned devil, his army of elves at his hooves did they revel. They came after me with masterful deceit. Broke down my loot and they kicked in my teeth While the devil's horns minced our tender meat And so cried the witcher, he can't be bleed Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh valley of plenty O oh valley of plenty, oh Toss a coin to your witcher, O oh valley of plenty Tea.